Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Regulatory Radio. Today we're discussing the path for products to gain their marketing authorization through the EMA's central committees and we'll also cover some of the provisions for assuring quality and safety. Remember that for an overview of the European regulatory network and a discussion of eligibility for the centralized procedure, please tune in to our earlier episodes of Regulatory Radio. I'm Mick Lamble, Head of Regulatory Affairs at Freya. Today, we're joined by Gabriel Boronet, Senior Director of Regulatory Information Management Strategy here at Freya. Welcome back, Gabriel. How are you? Hello, Mick. I'm doing great, thank you. So let's pick up with what happens in Europe with medicinal products after they've been granted a marketing authorization. Their journey is only just beginning, correct? Absolutely. The regulatory life cycle of a medicinal product will typically continue for many years after its first authorization. Regulatory procedures that a sponsor might see include following post-authorization activities, fulfillment of any commitments and obligations provided at the time of marketing authorization, responding to urgent safety restrictions, periodic safety updates, variations of different types, line extensions, renewals, referrals, and even possibly transfers of marketing authorization. And I assume amongst those, patient safety is one of the top priorities. It is. The science and activities relating to the detection, understanding and prevention of adverse drug reactions or any other drug related problems is known as pharmacovigilance. This is one of the main methods by which patient safety is prioritised by looking at what happens with medicinal products during normal use and also by analysing their adverse event profiles. So how is pharmacovigilance integrated with the regulatory interventions to protect patient safety? Okay, so this integration is the basis of risk management systems that can be defined as a set of pharmacovigilance activities and interventions designed to identify, characterise, prevent or minimise risks relating to medicinal products. And that includes the assessment of the effectiveness of those interventions. And from a European perspective, can you describe the process by which pharmacovigilance and risk management reporting takes place? Sure. The process typically starts with identification of a patient experiencing an adverse drug reaction. A reporting physician or healthcare professional will submit a report to either the relevant marketing authorization holder or their national competence authority, or perhaps both. Spontaneous reports direct from patients are also collected. These reports are compiled, collated, and written up as individual case safety reports, or ICSRs, which in turn are submitted to the EMA's Eutrovigilance database. Because this database gathers ICSRs from across the whole EU regulatory network, it can be used for analysis of potential signals, inform monitoring schemes, and help to monitor patient safety. Well, it's certainly good to know that patient safety is paramount. And how can patients and healthcare professionals be certain that companies are complying with best practice when it comes to things such as patient safety and product development? So standards for best practice have been defined for areas such as clinical and non-clinical compliance. As a group, these standards are often abbreviated collectively to GXP. This encompasses domains such as good clinical practice, also known as GCP, good laboratory practice, GLP, good pharmacovigilance practice, GPVP, and it's the EMA who are responsible for ensuring that compliance inspections are coordinated across the EU regulatory network. In fact, the inspections regime stretches beyond the EU and reaches third countries who are involved in regulated activities pre- and post-authorization. The EMA are also involved in efforts with the FDA in North America 
to develop joint GCP inspection initiatives. And can you tell us about how manufacturing and quality compliance is assured? Sure. The standards and inspection regime includes provision for good manufacturing practice, known as GMP, and good distribution practice, GDP. Evidencing compliance is a key aspect of marketing authorization applications. GDP covers the wholesale distribution of medicines. GMP covers their manufacture. It's the EMA that ensures coordination of inspections for GMP within EU regulatory network for central authorization procedures. As mentioned previously, their jurisdiction covers the whole EU and certain third countries, pre- and post-authorization. Cross-European collaboration between the EMA and NCAs is also an important aspect of work to protect patients from falsified medicines. These are covered under the EU Falsified Medicines Directive, or the FMD. Thanks, that's a very helpful overview. Let's turn now to the supervisory committees that are such a key part of the EU regulatory network. Can you remind me briefly of the different committees? Yeah, no problem. The, the most senior committee is the CHMP. That's the Committee for Human Medicinal Products. It has one member per member state, plus small turnips, plus co-opted members. Then there is the PRAC, the Pharmacovigilance Risk Assessment Committee. Again, membership includes representatives from member states, plus additional members co-opted and representatives from patient organisations. We also have the COMP, that's the Committee for All for Medicinal Products, with reps from member states and patient organisations. Then there's also the HMPC, the Committee for Herbal Medicinal Products. Member states are included in the membership, plus some additional co-opted members. The PDCO is the Paediatric Committee. Membership is made up of a mixture of CHMP members, member state representatives, healthcare professionals, and patient organisation representatives. And then there's the CAT, the Committee for Advanced Therapies. Membership of the CAT includes representatives from the CHMP, plus the member states, and additionally, some patient organisation representatives and clinicians are appointed by the European Commission. Thanks for that. Um, Can you also talk a little bit about the specific role of the CHMP? So the CHMP is the committee that is responsible overall for preparing the agency's formal opinions on questions concerning medicinal products for human use. It relies on the scientific expertise, evaluation and additional resources available from national competence authorities, NCAs. Broadly speaking, an opinion issued by the CHMP will incorporate inputs from expert working parties, scientific advisory groups, drafting groups, scientific advice, pre- and post-authorization assessments, risk management, pharmacovigilance, and good practice guidelines. The CHMP is also responsible for appointing rapporteurs and co-rapporteurs. These are the lead scientific and regulatory assessors of the applications made for marketing authorizations. And could you elaborate a little bit further on the CHMP assessment procedure for centralised products? Yes, a detailed description would take quite some time, but I'll take you through at a high level the key steps that make up the EU centralised procedure. So the procedure is triggered when a marketing authorisation application is submitted to the EMA. The first step is to validate the submission in terms of its technical presentation and file formats. This is done during the pre-submission phase. Once the submission has been validated, a lead assessor is assigned, known as the rapporteur, plus a peer assessor, known as the co-rapporteur. At this point, the procedural clock can be started and the primary evaluation phase can begin. During this phase, the rapporteurs will also produce their own separate initial assessment reports. The deadline for these reports is day 80 of the procedure. Once the day 80 assessment reports have been circulated, a list of questions and clarifications is drawn up. These questions need to be sent to the applicant no later than day 120 of the procedure, at which point, The procedural clock stops and the applicants are given time to respond. 
so the actual duration of the procedure can depend on the time taken for applicants to respond. Yes. The milestones at day 80, day 120, etc. all refer to procedural working days, not simple calendar days. The secondary evaluation commences once the response from the applicants has received on procedural day 121. This triggers the production of a combined joint assessment report from the rapporteurs. Further questions or any outstanding questions are considered and there is a further clock stop at procedure day 180. Following a further round of responses from the applicant, if required, then the joint assessment can be presented at the CHMP for discussion and confirmation of the formal opinion. This happens no later than procedure day 210. The CHMP opinion is then sent to the European Commission and they are the ones with the statutory powers required to grant a marketing authorisation. So how is the final decision made to grant a marketing authorisation? I mean, once the CHMP has provided its opinion? Well, the marketing authorisation applicants are required to provide translations of annexes to the CHMP opinion, including the summary of product characteristics, labels, the package information leaflet. These annexes are submitted for careful checking by NCAs in member states. It is actually the EC which makes a legal binding decision based on recommendations from the EMA. The decision is issued within 67 days of receipt of the EMA's recommendation. This final commission decision is what grants the marketing authorisation. And how are the outcomes of an assessment procedure made public? That's done via the EPAR, the European Public Assessment Report. The EPAR helps with increased transparency and openness for both patients and the public. It includes the following information. The CHMP assessment report, although without the assessment report annexes. Commercially confidential information is redacted following consultation with the sponsor or marketing authorization applicant. It includes a summary assessment, which is written to be understandable by patients and the general public. And authorized product presentations, the summary product characteristics, labeling and package information leaflets are also included. EPARs are maintained and updated regularly to include the latest product information. And it's worth knowing that they are available freely via the EMA website. Thanks, Gabriel, for a very interesting discussion. I've learned a lot about the role of the CHMP and how they contribute to the award of marketing authorizations. And now we also understand the steps taken to protect patient safety through careful monitoring. My pleasure. I hope this has been both informative and enjoyable. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. And after today's session highlighting key points on the role of the EMRN in achieving regulatory approvals, stay tuned for another episode of Regulatory Radio for more discussion on regulatory topics. Thanks for listening and see you next time.